Hi, it's Spider Saloff. Welcome back to Spider's Web. Uh, this week, I am in New York City, and I'm here to do a concert at Jazz at Lincoln Center with the renowned writer uh, James Gavin, who wrote biographies about Chet Baker, Lena Horne, Peggy Lee, and his very first book was called Intimate Nights, and it's about the early years of cabaret uh, in New York. This would be the, the golden era of cabaret, in the, mostly in the 40s and 50s, but it, it takes you right up through the 90s. And I'm actually in that book. No, it's not a segment that is from the 40s, in case you're wondering. Well, anyway, I, I flew in yesterday, and I stayed with my friends here, and I'm having a lovely time. I cooked them dinner last night. And this morning I thought I needed to get up and get myself out to West 46th Street to go to rehearsal. And I got there, and I had the wrong day. Boy, is that disappointing. So tomorrow we start all over again. I'll have rehearsal, and then a sound check, and then the show. So it's going to be a real long day tomorrow. And that's show business. So while I was staying at my friend's beautiful apartment, uh, I had a little episode that I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that can relate to this. Everybody has these fancy televisions now. They're so fancy and they're so complicated and there's like six different devices to turn it on and turn this on and turn that off. And well, I, you know, of course, I'm so technically savvy. I got up in the morning and tried to turn their TV on and I, I think the world blew up. Nothing would work. And so I text my friend while he was at work, and uh, he's like, whatever you do, don't touch anything but the main control. Ooh. To which I replied, okay. And then I proceeded to sweat bullets all day on how the turnout of this was going to be. I thought, is this going to take years of repair? Are they going to have to bring in scientists to fix this thing? Well, after hours of sweating bullets and making sure I prepared a beautiful dinner for my host when they got home, it was a two-minute fix. Wow. The challenges of just watching television. It's crazy. Well, that is why I'm going to talk more about live performance. Does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells a thrill of first So the day of the show was a real marathon, just as I had predicted. 
Uh, I had to be on my way by 11 o'clock in the morning and at rehearsal at a studio on 46th Street where a big gang of us were to rehearse this mammoth production that included so many different artists. And um, it was quite amazing and complex the way it all came out. Then we all had to head over to Jazz at Lincoln Center to the Rose Theater and have a very uh, intricate sound check that went on for hours. And then there was uh, some time to get something to eat at a local bar where I saw some old friends of mine. And um, then we did this show. So I'm going to give you a peek backstage at some songs that were performed and also interviews with the people that made this happen. Crazy world, full of crazy contradictions. Like a child, first you drive me wild, and then you win my heart with your wicked arms. And that's the voice of K.T. Sullivan, who is the head of the Mabel Mercer Foundation, that produces these big, wonderful concerts at the Rose Theater at Jazz at Lincoln Center. And I'm going to tap into a little interview I had with KT and learn a little bit more about her. KT Sullivan, if you don't know who she is, you should. You can find her on Wikipedia because she's a Broadway star. She has been uh, one of the the wonderful, wonderful producers of Cabaret as well, and she's head of the Mabel Mercer Foundation, which is in New York City. And like myself, we keep this classic music alive, an intimate venue, mm -hmm. and we we have a very fragile art form that we're keeping going. And you're you're creating this for new people now, yes. young people. I go to LaGuardia High School in New York, and young people want to sing this music. Wow. And there, uh, there's a girl on the opening night uh, the convention in New York starts October 16th. You're on the 18th. Yes. The 19th is a girl named Joey Bianco, who's 15. Oh, my God. Last, night, last year, she broke our hearts with people. This year, she sings Skylark and Buttermilk Skies. It's a Hoagy Carmichael night. And there's a there's a kid that I heard in May, Marilyn May's class. Yeah. Who's 18. This is his first year in, in Michigan, Michigan University. And he's doing Come Fly With Me. And George III's song from Hamilton. How hip is that? I and love there's a, it. another girl I heard who's 17. I heard her in Durango, Colorado. She's from yeah. Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Uh -huh. She's about 5 foot 10 and gorgeous. <laughs> and, yeah, oh. they're, and they're, I think, like you said, they want to sing this music because they have heartbreak too. Kids, you know, as you know, when you're a teenager, you thought the world was going to end. When you yeah, up. it's about falling in love and having your heart broken and mm -hmm. then surviving it and... It's all the humanity stuff that and will never stop. No, people want to sing this music for as, as long as we live. Uh, <laughs> I hope it so. It will go on after this. <laughs> I, I know it's fine. It's fine. Down by the sea lived a lonesome oyster. Every day growing sadder and moister. He found his home life awfully wet and longed to travel with the opposite. Oyster. Fate was kind to that oyster we know when one day the chef from the park casino saw that oyster lying there and said, I'll put you on my bill of fare. 
That was my performance of the famed and beloved Tale of the Oyster that I did perform in the concert. And now you're going to get to meet James Gavin, hands-on. So I'm sitting here with James. Hi, James. Hi, Spider, my dear old, long-time pal. Old. Oh, she's old. Me too. <laughs> We've been through a lot together, haven't we? Oh, God, yes. Going up to this week in New York City. Yes, yes, yes. And it was a very exciting event. And um, James has written so many famous books, and uh, uh, including the biographies of Peggy Lee, Lena Horne, Chet Baker, and uh, his first book was called Intimate Nights, and that was the concert that we just did the other night. All these years later, now that book came out in 1991. Wow. And 26 years later, here I am, here I was, bringing it to life on stage at Jazz at Lincoln Center. It was a, it was a strange feeling. Where, does, where do 26 years go? And the fact that people still care enough for this to have happened all these years later tells me that I wrote a book about something that matters. I think it does. Absolutely, yeah. And it's music and legendary music. And the fact that not only, I mean, you're talking about 26 years ago, the subject matters in the book go back to the 40s. I mean, uh, uh, the, the golden age of cabaret. Even farther than that, actually, because the roots of cabaret in this country were in the speakeasies. Oh, yeah. And so, as I mentioned in the show the other night, uh, in the 1920s, speakeasies proliferated during Prohibition. <clears throat> and one way to keep the cops at bay and to sell booze, which was the point of a speakeasy, uh, was adding entertainment, making the place seem like a nightclub rather than just a gin mill. <laughs> yeah. And the great Helen Morgan was one of many entertainers who and she, moved she into owned the a speakeasy, speakeasy, didn't she? She did, yeah. and it got busted by the cops, and she got sent off to the coolers. And it was while she was doing Showboat, right? That's what was I, it? I, I didn't believe know it that. was. I think it was. Those days, if I could, if I could time travel back to the golden age of cabaret, in fact, and walk into one of those clubs, any club from the 1930s through the 1970s, well, um, for one thing, the smoke would drive me nuts because those places were blanketed with Except cigarette smoke. Except you'd be smoke. used to it. <laughs> and I, when I was a bartender and was singing in clubs in New York in the early 90s, there were places that were like a fog machine was in there. But I was so conditioned to it, and I'm non-smoker, always have been. But it, you just became, you know, oblivious to it. It wasn't really an issue. But now I notice it. You know, if I go anywhere where there's smoke, I'm so aware of it. Performers having to sing, set after set, night after night, breathing in smoke. And as I also mentioned in the show the other night, uh, these places although they had a glamorous air about them, were very often dumps, especially when you uh, turn the lights up at the end of the night. Oh, my God. And you saw what you were sitting on. What you were sitting on. (laughs) These places had rats and roaches in some cases. The upholstery was tattered. The walls were stained by smoke. Oh, my God. But 
it's all about turning down the lights and the magic of the night and the magic of ambiance. And ambiance is a very magical thing. It has many factors contributing to it mm -hmm. when it works. Yeah. And I felt like there was something in the air at the Rose Theater at Jazz at Lincoln Center. Didn't you? Oh, the show absolutely. That we did Even though we're in this enormous venue, um, state of the art, beautiful theater, which is sort of you know, the opposite of what nightclub performing is about because of the energy of all the performers that were, that had come together to do this incredible tribute. It, it had this intimacy, this feeling that you had time traveled and the audience was very caught up in it, uh, quite spellbound. The, the reaction to the songs, it was just amazing. It was, it was a beautiful thing that you created. Thank you, Spider. I take great pride in, I, I feel like my pet performers, of which you have been one for many years, the people I really care about, I want the world to know about all of you. And I want to not preach to the choir necessarily, but to bring performers from one world into another world and expose people to them. The cabaret convention has been going on almost continuously since 1989 in mm -hmm. New York. And it has traditionally been a bastion of, well, traditional cabaret, the Great American Songbook. Donald Smith, the founder, his vision of that was uh, perpetuating the standards and presenting them in traditional ways. And I wanted to, which of course has great charm, it's lovely sure. and it's important, but I wanted to push the envelope and place in front of that audience things that they had not experienced before. I was quite nervous as to how it would go over. And I was sitting up there in my at my podium and I was carefully gauging the audience at every moment because I was so internally nervous and I wanted I wanted to feel that people were getting it and there was not a moment during that show and maybe I missed something. But I, I felt that the audience was on our side, didn't you? Oh, completely. Well, it started out with laughter, like within two seconds into, into the show. And it was me on stage that maybe it was because I fell down. No, no, they were. They were but they, start, they were with the joke. They were with the joke the whole time and with the moment. And uh, it, it really was, yeah, a pretty magical vibe. I should explain that you and Ricky Ritzel <clears throat> opened the show cold after introductory comments by the the first lady of the Mabel Mercer uh -huh. Foundation, K.T. Sullivan, with this joint is jumping, a number from your 1938 show? Yeah, it's about 1938. That wasn't the year that I performed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I believe in starting shows with music. I don't think that they should, that the actual show should start with talk. It's about music. And the, and I was backstage watching you from behind do that number. And as soon as I saw the reaction, I, I felt maybe we're home free because <laughs> they, they are getting it. And then we continued to test the waters for the duration of a quite lengthy show. And... At no point did I feel scared. This joint is jumping. It's really jumping. 